This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I drink out of a Brita filter most times. Oh, that... excuse me. Actually, it would take me getting into that story, but honestly, what I was actually doing, I said get water. I was getting water to put in my humidifier. Oh my, this guy, really? The bougiest (laughs) podcaster ever, man. Can I play with him? Can I win with him? Can I go with him? Can't do it. You are tuned in, streaming, downloading, listening to episode number 129 of the Clock Dodgers podcast. I'm your host, Neil. With me is Adam, a.k.a. the other FF guy. In case the title wasn't clear enough or the description wasn't clear enough, this is a fantasy football episode of the podcast. Before we get into deep intellectual conversations, Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I was mentioning to you before we got started here that uh, I'm living in a sauna right now. Yes. Uh, as as I mentioned before, I live in Chicago. I have an apartment, and I have baseboard heating that's controlled by the apartment complex. And uh, they just kicked it on within like the last week here. And yeah, it's steamy. <laughs> it's <laughs> that ridiculous. That is hilarious. First of all, I don't even know what baseboard heating is. I'm assuming there's heat coming out of the floor. I don't know. We don't got that. Here I live either. in Florida. I don't even know what heating is. I, heat here is called the sun. And that's it. Like, we do nature things, you know? We let nature take its course. And so the sun heats us up, and we just live with it, man. But you got this mm-hmm. shit coming through the floor, which seems kind of weird, but I guess normal in most places. I don't know. But you don't even control it. That's strange, man. I don't I don't care. It's that. so uncomfortable. It's so terrible. Because, I mean, obviously, like, they don't want to get in trouble for it not being hot enough. So they just crank it up to the point where you're just like... You, you you gotta just wear shorts. Like you you can't you can't deal. It's ridiculous though. I I literally have a, no joke. I have my AC running on low right now. It is thirty degrees outside, and I have to just to balance it out in here. So weird, man. That is so strange. Yeah. From Florida, yeah, none t- of that makes sense to me, man. Ugh, none of that yeah. makes sense. Not to mention that on top of that, it just dries out the air to the point where you like you basically can't breathe, or you just wake up every morning with a sore throat. So yeah, I'm living that humidifier life right now. You're really selling the area to me, man. Oh, I know it's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Got gotta love the winters. Can't understand why people come to Florida. It just makes no sense now. Can't make sense of it. I just got finished dumping some Halloween pumpkins, man. They were getting nasty out here. <laughs> 
They were all. Oh, so you'll take care of Halloween yeah. pumpkins, but I'll, not dead animals in your driveway. I, I was just going to say, I actually grabbed a new trusty shovel that I purchased from the dead animal mystery that was in the driveway and used it. And since now I got this, you know, thing that I could just, you know, use whenever I need to. I just pulled the shovel out, said, let me get rid of these, <laughs> these pumpkins, man, and started using that for, like, you know, a handyman. Like, let me get this shovel. You know? Oh man, such a handyman yeah. using a shovel. Yeah, man, I, t- I tossed those pumpkins, man. And things were nasty and slumped over. It was disgusting. All these like fruit flies in them and stuff. Mother Nature takes her course quick, man. She don't fuck oh, yeah, around at all. I'm oh like, yeah, it does. Damn, man, my pumpkins. I like I carved these things with like, all my skill. Had them things looking nice, and then one or two days outside, and they were like, man, they were just slumped over, man. It was sick. Oh, man. Do you do, like, the intense shallow carving? Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? I don't know what that is. I don't go that far. Oh, man. My I do just enough to impress to that, my children. Like, super well. She was real cool with that shit. She made some cool-ass pumpkins. I I don't know. It's, it's wild what you can do. And it's not even that hard, really. I mean, honestly, all you're doing is, like, shaving down more for more light or shaving less for less light. And that's how you get, you know, the color differences. I'm a terrible artist, so... I can't do it, but in theory, like, it's shockingly easy if you can draw well, or you don't even have to draw well, because you can get stencils, so, like, I don't know, it, it's really neat, though, if you ever, like, watch a YouTube video or something and learn how to do it, it's fun to give it a try, because you can make some cool designs. Yeah, I'm definitely not an artist, either, when it comes to, like, drawing and stuff, but I, I, I did just enough, I, like, found my way through it, just enough to have my kids, like, wow, that's awesome, I'm like, yeah, cool, That's right? awesome. Yeah, man, but, like, there's some people, if you're, like, completely, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, art inclined, they got these stickers now you just slap on them. So, <laughs> I'm sure those are hot sellers. They're, like, eyeballs and mouths and stuff, and you just slap stick. I'm like, oh, that is so, so such a cheat code. Yeah, that that's work. so sad. That's I don't know. Sad. I just have, like, so many memories growing up as a kid, like, sitting around and carving pumpkins with my siblings and my parents. So, like, in your single life, are you going to carve a pumpkin? Fuck no. <laughs> I'm just wondering if a pumpkin's sitting in that fucking hot ass room you're in right now. No, man. No. Pumpkin, it up. pumpkin carving is a family thing, at the very least, a couple thing. Like, I'm not, Listen, I'm not your apartment right now would own. take care of your pumpkin just like Mother Nature took care of mine out here. Your shit would be slumped over right now in that weird ass oh, yeah. temperature you got going on. Oh, yeah. I bought some bananas yesterday. They were green. Now they're yellow. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> So, yeah, man, my pumpkins were, you know, slumped out, caved out. I got rid of them. Speaking of caving in, the Panthers just got caved in themselves. Oh, look at that transition. Nasty, right? I'm good with it. Sometimes it happens that way, man. Sometimes it just, it comes together. And, you know, honestly, when it comes together like that, you just got to jump on it before you lose it. You know, you just got that moment. Oh, man, yeah. Neil's over there jumping on two wheels. Look (laughs) at him with that segue. (laughs) So, Thursday Night Football, you know we got to hit him with a reaction. Panthers, Steelers. Where do you want to start? There's, you know, so many ways. There's only one place to start. No, there's so many ways to go with this. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's oh, your one so way? What's your one way? Tell me. One way straight, Adam. Go ahead. Let's name the running backs you would rather have in Dynasty than Christian McCaffrey. None. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, there's obviously some. I'm but I'm kidding. curious because for me, I think it's down to just two. Gurley. Yes. And you're going to say, I mean, you could probably argue a couple guys. I don't know, but uh, Kamara. Yeah, those would be the two for me, and I think it's Christian McCaffrey at three. I just, I I mean, I own him a bunch. I only own him in one Dynasty League, though, so I'm looking to acquire. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I just, 
the the Panthers just got demolished, and yet Christian McCaffrey still just has a gigantic game. Like the way in which he's being utilized, he's playing like a hundred percent of snaps. Like even in this blowout, he's still on the field in the fourth quarter. It wasn't until the very last drive that they took him off the field. They yeah. just they're using him like crazy. Yeah, fourteen carries, seventy-seven yards, one Russian touchdown. And then five receptions, 61 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Um, so Panthers scored 21 points. McCaffrey scored all of them. Just ridiculous. Um, obviously, it kind of, you know, it hinders a bunch of other guys in the team that people want, you know, stats from. But listen, if you're a guy with McCaffrey, you're happy as hell right now. I got him in a bunch of leagues, actually. So he's been kind of my rebound. You know, I started off slow in some leagues, and he's helped me just, you know, push through a lot of the, uh, the negative records and trying to find you know, positive ground. But uh yeah, man, he's been he's been straight up killing it. And and we're talking about him and his team only scored three touchdowns. We're not even talking about the fifty two point Steelers. Which it's you true. feel you feel they are not the story. Uh, <laughs> you felt <laughs> they scored fifty two points and they're not the sto- one story of the day. No, I mean this was this game was like a total bonanza. I mean obviously, you know, McCaffrey was I mean, Cam Newton was serviceable, you know. He threw two touchdowns, almost 200 passing yards. Like, it's not a good game, but he didn't completely tank, um, which you might expect if you get blown out this badly. But, yeah, I mean, on the opposite side of the coin, it was just a pure bonanza. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger throws five touchdowns. James Conner gets a touchdown. Antonio Brown gets a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster gets a touchdown. Vance McDonald gets a touchdown. Basically, anyone on the Steelers who you would start for fantasy scored a touchdown. How dare you not mention Jalen Samuels gets a touchdown? Because no one would start (laughs) Jalen Samuels. (laughs) You never know, man. Stop judging people, man. You don't know how deep these leagues are. You don't know if there's a Jalen Samuels fan club out there. I know a guy who's in love with Jalen Samuels, so... I like Jalen Samuels, too. I, I mean, I actually drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl, but I cut him earlier this year just because they, they weren't using him at all. It's interesting that they're starting to utilize him a little bit. Like, they were running James Conner into the ground. I guess my only thought might be that if they believe that Le'Veon's not playing this year, then they want to try and save up James Conner for the playoff run, so they're going to work Samuels in more, yeah. um, which could be interesting. But yeah. Yeah, I was I was surprised by his usage, but I mean, you know, we're talking about a blowout in which he got eight touches, so it's not like it's anything dramatic. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, Antonio Brown, like you mentioned, had a touchdown. He had six catches, 96 yards, so another good game by him. Juju, three catches, 90 yards, one touchdown. He kind of did it all on one catch in reality, um, but that's all it takes for some of these guys, man. One catch, and you got your points for the day, so that's what he did. Um, and like you said, Ben Roethlisberger, 300-plus yards, five touchdowns. It was, like you said, a crazy day for fantasy-wise. Um, lots of points spread around. I, I mean, the only people that are let down right now are probably, you know, a couple of Carolina receiver people play, who played Carolina receivers, and that's really it, right? I mean, is there anybody here that really disappointed from a fantasy aspect besides those guys? I mean, Cam to an extent. Yeah. Like, that's not what you're expecting from him. But that being said, like, that's the nice thing about Cam Newton is a lot of times he – he has a high floor, and that's typically because of the rushing. But in this case, it had nothing to do with his rushing. Yeah. So good game overall. Fun game from a fantasy aspect. And just from a you know an enjoyment aspect. Lots of scores is always fun to watch. But anything you take away from this game besides the obvious or anything that concerns you, um, we'll talk a you little know, more about Levy. There was one thing. 
Sorry, there was one thing, though, while I was watching this game that really I was thinking about, which is a saying that um, often floats around, like, MMA circles and, and when referring to the UFC, which is there's levels to this game. I feel like that's really true of the NFL as well. Like, it's so interesting to see a Panthers team that's only lost two games on the season play one of the, what I would consider, elite five-ish, six franchises in the NFL. I mean, you've got teams like the Rams, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Steelers, like these upper echelon teams, you know, the Saints are probably the other one that just, they they just look like they're playing a different game than everybody else. And when you have games like the one tonight, it just really showcases that. So you're saying that you feel like even though the Panthers have this really good record, they're, you know, when they go up against a team who's at another level than them, they don't look as good. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I mean, there's just levels to this game. Like, the Panthers are probably one of the ten best teams in the NFL, but the separation between those elite five or six franchises and everyone else just seems so dramatic to me. Yeah, like Meek Mill says, it's levels to this shit, young boy. You're like, what? (laughs) Pretty much. I'm like, all right, man. shit up, Adam. Come on, man. Meek Mill. Come on, man. Step your shit up. Anyway, that's it for that's it for Thursday night football, man. I mean, it it's a lot, but there's not a lot. Like it's one of those weird situations where, you know, a lot happened in the game, but it's not even, you know, it's not the score is not you know the score is a surprise by that many points. But like the guys who did it, you know, the people who were responsible, it's not a surprise. The like I said, we'll talk a little bit about Le'Veon Bell a little bit later, um, because obviously he didn't play in this game, so there's no really reaction to him here. But we'll talk about him a little later. Um, something I did want to bring up with you because um, me and you were speaking in a chat with a few other people and I was asking about quarterbacks and streaming and everyone was mentioning Baker Mayfield, right? And I know he has a pretty decent matchup this week, but we didn't talk about it because we didn't have an episode last week because of scheduling issues. But, you know, Hugh Jackson was fired and he said this decision was premature on his end. Um, but it's always unfortunate besides the fact that, you know, we don't want people to get fired and stuff, but the, the fantasy world rejoiced in a sense, um, when he was, when he was let go, because a lot of people felt that he was holding, you know, I don't know if you want to say holding the offense back or, um, you know, not mixing it up enough, not letting people play to their capabilities. I don't know what you want to call it, but people just didn't feel like he was very inspiring. Um, last week when he wasn't there, they didn't get a W, but you know, from a fantasy aspect, I think most people would agree that, you know, the Cleveland offensive players were, you know, I don't want to say they came to life because it wasn't like they were off the charts, but a lot of guys, you know, did, did some more damage than they did when Hugh Jackson was there. Somewhat, you know, nothing really from the wide receivers, but guys that were sleeping kind of this year and Mayfield did decent. Um, what's your thoughts as far as, you know, how much improvement this team can make with Hugh gone this season? Like, are you – you know, super excited about anything? Are you feeling like, ah, you know, it'll just kind of, it'll be a little better, but nothing like fantastic or nothing that you can kind of bank on? Like how, how much does the coaching change matter to you at this point right now for fantasy for this season? For fantasy, I think it's interesting, mostly because things are already heading in the right direction for the team, just from a sense of as Baker plays more games, he's going to get more comfortable in the offense, especially I mean, the biggest setback ultimately was to give Baker Mayfield no touches throughout the entire offseason with the first-team offense. Because what you did in that is you just set him way behind the eight ball for when he took over in week three. So now he's had to take that time to kind of gel with the offense. And I feel like with losing Todd Haley, that was kind of a blessing in disguise because 
often what happens, in my opinion, when NFL coaches, especially play callers, get fired in the middle of the season, is you run into situations where the offense is kind of recreated on the spot. And it's almost like a tandem between the quarterback and the new play caller. And I think that's a little bit of what you're going to have here. Because ultimately, you want to be working to Baker's strengths. So I think the offense is going to start shifting more in that direction. From a team perspective, I, I don't see them doing much better than going like 500 at best down the stretch here. They don't really have a lot of favorable matchups, so I don't really like it from a win-loss perspective throughout the rest of the season. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, Baker has three straight games of multiple touchdowns, and now that they've you know lost Todd Haley, they're starting to gel a little bit better, I think that they have the potential to improve and have Baker you know, be able to produce some big games and Hopefully Jarvis Landry in turn will turn that dramatic target share that he has into some real legitimate fantasy production and some of the ancillary pieces like Duke Johnson and David Njoku can be serviceable. Yeah, this is one of those, you know, addition by subtraction scenarios where you take guys away and things get better. But, you know, you mentioned Duke. I was super excited to see Duke have a big game. I actually was forced to start him in a place and it, and it paid out. But hopefully he continues to trend up. Uh, Chubb did well. Um, like you said, Landry didn't. And that was kind of, the you know, the big bummer there. But, um, you know, things are looking up for them, man. So we'll see. We'll see how it, you know, continues to move and if it you know, continues to pay off. It was a one week high thing. You know, they're trying to, I don't know. I always like when those kind of situ- situations arise sometimes. Cause I feel like the players are then going to go into like this prove it type mode, if that makes sense. Um, obviously things can't be like a total shipwreck, but as long as things aren't horrible and the new coach isn't horrible and you know, there are good players there. I feel like players get motivated sometimes to like prove, um, even if their season is over, like playoff wise and stuff to like to kind of prove something for themselves, you know? So hopefully, um, Hopefully it pays off. And and even referring to, like, um, this uh, these articles that uh, Jake does at CloudDodgers.com, he does these boom bus articles. And, you know, he has, you know, Duke Johnson on there this week as a boom player. Um, do you think that will continue, that trend? Like, Duke Johnson will continue to play well and the new coaches will just keep feeding him? Or do you think that was a one-week thing and we got to kind of – he'll still be inconsistent? It was weird because I was looking at his snap share numbers and they didn't really increase. Um, So really what increased is his target rate. Um, You wonder if it was a little bit game scripted. I mean, essentially they're in a game with Kansas City. They're playing from behind most of the game. It's a shootout. And the only way they're going to keep up with Kansas City is to throw the ball a lot. When you throw the ball a lot, Oftentimes, you have a young quarterback, he's going to be checking down more. With Carlos Hyde moving on to Jacksonville, obviously it opens up more touches in the offense for Duke Johnson, but I think that you know it's going to be game script dependent a little bit. That being said, their schedule moving forward is very difficult, so the game script's probably going to be in the favor of a Duke Johnson moving forward more than like a Nick Chubb. So... Yeah, I mean, I think he has the potential to be flex-worthy just simply based upon the fact that, you know, he should see a similar snap share, but his increase in targets is just going to be completely related to game script, and I just think there's going to be a lot of games where they have to throw. So let me ask you this, then, rest of the season PPR, you want Chubb or you want Johnson? Man, that's really tough, but I think in PPR, I I think I'd want Duke Johnson. It's tough, though, because, I mean, you run into a situation where, like, Duke Johnson I feel much more confident in. 
But I think I know what Duke Johnson is. Like, I don't expect Duke Johnson to turn into, like, a James White, where he is that, you know, we know what he is from a skill position standpoint, but he becomes this elite fantasy producer. Like, I, I just don't see that, that happening in any way for Duke Johnson. Whereas with Nick Chubb, there is that possibility that he could just, you know, go lights out. Um, but I think ultimately in a PPR league, I'd probably want Duke Johnson just because I feel more confident in the stability. Makes sense. And also just because I'm, I'm already looking at his article, staying on his article for a second. Um, he has TJ Yeldon as a bust, obviously, because Leonard Fournette's returning. Um, that's going to be a weird situation there, right? Hyde, Fournette, Yeldon. I mean, ultimately, how do you think that plays out? Do you think it's just, they're just going to force feed Fournette again? Everybody else gets forgotten? Or do you think they're going to be like, yeah, we're going to take this a little differently this time around? I don't think the Jags have any idea what they're doing on offense. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Like, they, oh, they, they got Bortles, they man. They like Bortles, and then they just start in the next week. It's like, guys, what, what was the that. point, of, yeah, what was the point of benching him? Like, it's such a bad move, especially with a guy like Blake Bortles, because if you're going to show a team that you're behind the quarterback, and you, especially when you have a quarterback like Blake Bortles, because we all know he's not elite. We all know that he's at best a middle-of-the-road style quarterback. And for players that are already in a position where the team might not be behind them, the absolute worst thing that you can do is bench them for the backup and then start them the next week. Like, it's just... it totally hurts them from a team mentality standpoint and I think it ultimately just shows that the Jags have no idea what they want to do on offense so it might even just end up being a situation where they just decide we're going to run the ball Blake Bortles is great at running the ball himself we have three awesome running backs who we can use interchangeably let's just run the ball like crazy and play great defense I'm thinking (laughs) that might be what they try and do as odd as it might sound in today's NFL it might just be that they're just afraid of Blake Bortles losing them games. They think they have this elite defense and they can just put them out there and stop people and just be able to run the football and play that old school style of offense. We'll see if it works. I don't think it will, but I think that's what they're going for. Don't take the ball to TJ Yeldon's hands. Come on, Jaguars. Don't be stupid, man. Don't be stupid. Fournette's going to get hurt right away again. Just watch. Just watch. It's coming, Adam. It's coming. It's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, go check out Jake's Boomer Bus article. Those are fun. Um, trust issues time, man. It's time for trust issues. I, I, I got to get to this because there's players, man. Listen, there's players being mentioned. I want to know, you know, these. The, I, I see these names a lot in the social media circle that I'm in, whether it's in the chats, whether it's on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Um, so I'm going to throw the names at you. I want to know if you trust them. Or if you got trust issues, and of course, anyone listening, um, I always like people, you know, to play along. If you have uh, players you're you're curious about, whether you know we trust them or not, send them our way. We'll definitely throw them into the uh, to the old game here. But the first one I want to throw at you, Adam. Uh, it's a name I'm hearing a lot, you know, for good reason, obviously. But I guess some people just don't expect it from him or haven't expect. Don't don't believe it can keep carrying him. But the first one for you is Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. Trust. I do not get this. Why Why is this a question mark? I don't He's know, been a man. top They're 12 asking. wide receiver this year. He was a top 12 wide receiver last year. Like, he's getting the targets. I think people just want to like everyone else in that offense and just leave Robert Woods behind. But he's being, he's producing. Like, I love guys like Robert Woods because he's, he's like a great player to try and trade for because you can just kind of hope that the owner who has him 
also has this ridiculous mentality that he's on an elite offense and he's getting a large target share, and yet somehow he's not going to be productive because there's other talented players on the team. Is he like, your favorite wide receiver there? Or do you understand that concern a little that's bit? That's really tough because I, I think that he probably is my favorite wide receiver there. But that being said, like I think all three are pretty much must-start guys each week. Like, if Cup's healthy and playing, I want to start him. If Cook's healthy and playing, I want to start him. Yeah, so I think, in a way, it's weird because, yeah, I'd probably rank Woods the highest, but I think they're all kind of that same sort of thing where because there's three of them and they're all able to have big weeks in chain, it, like, in turn, each of them are going to have some disappointing weeks. It's going to happen right. just based upon them spreading the ball around but you want to have those guys in your lineup just due to the fact that that offense has so few down weeks yeah it's i like mean people people you know people keep common. asking about you know golf and and these wide receivers it's like let, let's just put it this way guys they have this guy named todd Gurley who keeps the defense as honest as fuck and so like it's never gonna stop like it's just not unless there's off weeks for some strange chance like they're just gonna keep doing it right because teams cannot focus on Gurley and these wide receivers and they can't double team anybody they can't you know make it rough on anybody because they can't focus anywhere do you know what i mean you can't if one wide receiver is hot the other one's going off the other one's not going off the other one's going off and then Gurley's just running and running and running so it's like it's not gonna stop like i, I know people are like sometimes i think people feel like a good thing has to stop like at some point right but there's so much of that yeah there is so, there is so much of people wanting to get out from under things before they go bad and yet I think what often happens is you often end up selling on players that just kind of stay what they were or yeah they might be a little inconsistent but they still have some boom weeks that could have really helped you along throughout your season exactly yeah it's real we've talked about it on here before about people you know I understand the need or the want to sell people uh, sell you know sell off players and, and turn, you know trade them off before you know they stop but sometimes you got to slow down man you got to just appreciate and respect what's happening and believe it and believe it's going to keep continuing um so yeah it's an interesting one I, I i agree with you though i trust them um the next one Corey davis trust issues i i don't know why i know he's a very talented player but i just i i feel like i need to continually see it from that offense i just can't trust them like i don't believe the whole matt lafleur thing like i just it's the offense they just more feel than Davis, too, right? yeah they feel too inconsistent like i just i don't trust mariota i don't trust matt lafleur i feel like Corey davis is an extremely talented player but i just i can't trust everything around him unless the name is Deion lewis gross <laughs> um all right next player on the trust or trust issues list this is your guy, man. This is your guy. I wasn't a believer going into this year. You were big on him. I don't know. I forget if you were big on him this year, but I think you were. Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. Big on him this year. Trust him going forward. I I think what they're going to do on offense moving forward is just try and put the ball in the hands of the players they can trust. It's not that complicated, really. I mean, I think they're just going to kind of get back to the simple way of moving forward. Obviously, they're not going to be in the playoff hunt this year or anything, and it's sad because, I mean, ultimately, Larry Fitzgerald is going to end his career in Arizona, likely on a low note, hopefully not this year. But, you know, 
I feel like moving forward, he's getting healthy. Uh, I want to say he had a hamstring injury. Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember. He had some lower body injury. I can't remember for sure. I think it's his hamstring. Um, but it feels like he's you know starting to come along from that. And right coinciding with that, they have this change in the offense. So hopefully those two factors are enough to kind of make him you know, a, a trustworthy fantasy asset moving forward. You got to trust him, man. You were all in on him earlier, so I'm sure you got him on a whole bunch of teams. Definitely do. Just hoping he pays off now. That's fair, man. I mean, you made some good points. And, and, and you know, speak, cause speaking of the Cardinals, since we, since we brought them up, I seen, um, you know, Casey Kasem on on Twitter? Yeah. Um, yeah, at the Casey Kasem. I seen she had posted this trade that she did um, that I guess she was getting some slack for in a uh, Dynasty League, I believe it was. Oh yeah, no, I saw that. I think she, I think she show, sell David Johnson for a good price, like yeah, she, a really good price. Yeah, I think she traded what she traded DJ for Robert Woods and then like two first round picks or something. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know what the, what the hoopla was about on that one, man. I don't know. I think people just they just want to have this feeling that anybody who's selling David Johnson now is selling low. There also was a lot of talk in the comments of that that I read through about how Robert Woods is like the third best receiver on the Rams and how he can't be elite because Gurley's there and all this ridiculous nonsense that's not backed up by any fact. It's just BS opinion that happened to be being thrown around by an individual who you and I <laughs> used to be in a group chat with. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's really one of the things that I hate about the fantasy community. I think that there's a lot of that. There's a lot of take lock where it's like I already believe this, so I just gotta like lock in real hard and you know just stick with what I was saying before because I can't change my opinion now. And I don't know. It's just ultimately it just makes for these sad, underwhelming arguments. I mean, you're talking about. A player in Robert Woods, who was top 12 last year, is pacing to be top 12 again this year, trading him for David Johnson, who obviously has been elite, but just got off of missing an entire year in the NFL, and now has came back and is just not himself. Like, ultimately, you can blame it on the offense, you can blame it on him recovering from injury this year, you can blame it on a lot of factors, but when you have... A situation where a player drops off this dramatically. I mean, he he's a running back two now for all intents and purposes. Like you can't trust him even as an RB one. So to be able to sell him, get back a wide receiver one and then two first round picks, to me that's stealing. Like, but that's what's great about Dynasty is everybody values players differently. So sometimes you can just literally get away with highway robbery and then have people on the internet think that you, you know, <laughs> sold too low. It's hilarious, but it's just all about how different people value different situations. And that's funny coming from me because I'm normally not the person who wants to like sell out for picks. But that to me is fantastic value. Yeah, obviously there's a whole bunch of different variables when it comes to dynasty and you know the position of your team and how you're doing. Are you a rebuild this and that? But yeah, I mean just you know staring at it from the outside, looking in, not knowing anything else. I think it's a good trade. So whoever's giving Casey shit about it, shut the fuck up. Um, but yeah, it's a good trade. I think it's a good trade. Um, and the last name I have for you, Adam, is 49ers 17 year old quarterback Nick Mullins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say trust issues. I'm going to let this kid prove it to me. I don't know. <laughs> you mean like, he didn't prove it against the Raiders? Fine. 
it's fine. No, the Raiders are god awful, <laughs> and you know it. I do. Like, I know. You bet me about them being above eight and eight this year, dude. It wasn't ridiculous <laughs> when I did it. Mm, they had Mac. Yeah. They had Cooper. Because yeah, that had made high all hopes the in the world. Yeah, the only name that mattered on that team ever was Gruden, and it's it's sad, but you know it it's it's just it's not gonna happen for them for like a decade. So move on, find a new team, Neil. We should find you a new team. You know, my wife tells me that all the time. Yeah, I in mean, every it's sport, true, though, in like, baseball, basketball, football. I, I just I'm a fan of all losers right now, and it's been like that pretty much my whole life. So yeah, she doesn't understand it. You know how to pick them, buddy. <laughs> how to pick them, man. Loyalty is one of those things, man. It has its ups and its downs. You know, you just... Hey, oh, I, I mean, I get the loyalty aspect, but it's also fun to, like, have a backup team. Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, of course I'm a Bears fan. I'm from Chicago. But I also liked the Cowboys because they were great. <laughs> it's not fair. It's cheating, man. Yeah, I mean, that's of like course saying, it's That's cheating. like saying, you know, it's nice to have this backup wife. I mean... You know, the other one gets me down, the other one gets me better, you know? They wouldn't agree with you on that, right? They wouldn't agree with you on that. Morally, socially, you would be condemned, Adam. So Yeah, you just compared football teams to wives, so who's really the one being condemned? I fucking went Eh. there. Sometimes you gotta Eh. go there, man. Sometimes you gotta Eh. go there. So you don't believe in this 17-year-old who can't grow a beard, but he doesn't. you can't grow one either, and you should really side with him for that mere fact because you kind of guys need to stick together. Oh, but I could totally grow a beard. I just don't. I don't believe you. Don't Do you want me to? I, I could go with beard. No Shave November. No Shave November. I just hate it. I get itchy as hell. Like, I can't stand that, like, after four or five days. I just get terribly itchy, and I just never want to go past that point. You're not willing to sacrifice, and that's your problem. No, nah, I'm, I'm just like, no, nah, get rid of this. I just... I don't know. I'm that type of person, though. If something like annoys me, I just want to get rid of it. But I also Jeez. shave my head. Like I don't, I don't care. Like I don't want to deal with my hair. I just yeah, shave yeah. my head. It's but you know that life. <laughs> yeah, all up in the shave your head life. It's definitely my wave. Definitely my wave. Although when I first did it, I was terrified. I won't lie, man. Uh, Heart was beating on my chest. Like I can't. I, am I really doing this? It's funny because I want to. I like. I would go the full shaved head route. Like not just you know, buzz down to a zero, but I just, to me, it's not, I don't really care about being entirely bald, like, that I'm fine with, mostly because my older brother is, like, a totally shaved head and looks fine, so I think I'll be all right, but that being said, I just never want to put in that work, like, I hate, I hate normal shaving, like, why would I shave my head, that's what makes you hilarious to me, is you have this giant beard, and yet you shave your head, (laughs) Listen, like, you make yourself still have to shave. Some things have to happen, man. Some things I have guess. to happen. That's my moneymaker, bro. It's mm. the moneymaker. So it's what pays the bills around here. Your shiny cue ball is yeah, your moneymaker. You know, it pays the bills around this place. <laughs> um, let's jump off of trust and trust issues. Let's just jump over to some listener questions, some listener comments, some things that were sent over to us. Um, first is from... Uh, Niner fan 909 what happens to the Steelers backfield if Bell comes back let's not get too crazy into it just what happens well first and foremost I think that he doesn't play like the first game or two that he comes back Um, but I think ultimately what ends up happening is it becomes a very split backfield Um, and I think you run into a situation where 
both Connor and Bell would end up having to be startable each week, um, but they'll kind of be almost like Kamara and Ingram, where, you know, one has huge blow-up weeks while the other doesn't really do anything. They'll have some weeks where they both are somewhat productive. It's just, it's going to be a situation that's a little bit of a headache, but you're just going to end up having to play both, I think, more gotcha. than not. I agree. Also, under under the same category, Meadowlands man said trade for Bell under any circumstances. Not under any circumstances. No. <laughs> I mean, we don't even know if the guy's playing. Like, he's so would you trade for him right him? now? Right like you would retire now? Would you trade for him right now under any circumstances? Yeah. So here's what I'm doing, and I'm actually doing this in a lot of leagues, and it's not working in any. So <laughs> you know, take it all with a grain of salt. But what I'm trying to do is in leagues that I am positioned to make like a good run at the playoffs and I think I can win the championship, I am trying to trade my like n- not necessarily worst starter, but like my RB two plus an ancillary bench piece that's like still good, but I'm not playing him based on my roster and trying to acquire Bell that way. I'm I've tried that offer in a few leagues like. Um, there was a league I offered Marlon Mack and uh, I can't remember who the wide receiver I offered with Mack for Bell was, but it got turned down. And like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to feel out the Bell owner to see, but I think ultimately anybody who held on to Bell this long, like they're just, they're just not going to trade. Yeah. They're just, they're just holding on to him for principle at this point. Um, Basically. Wrath of doom. Can someone tell me why Tomlin has Connor sitting on the (laughs) sidelines? Connor sitting on the sidelines? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about before. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ulti- ultimately, if they think that Bell's not coming back, they need Connor for the playoff runs. So, yeah, Samuel's going to start getting worked in a lot more as the season winds down. Resting him up a little bit. Don't be too concerned. Don't get, I, I, guess I can understand your frustration since you obviously played him this week. Though, so. He had less than 10 touches. Samuel's had less than 10 touches in a blowout. Like it, It's irrelevant. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It's just one of those things. All right. This question is from Blake B221. He actually asked this question last week. Uh, his first question was, will Amari Cooper and Zeke both get better now? Um, obviously we see Amari Cooper score a touchdown. It wasn't like he killed it or anything, but he scored a touchdown. Amari Cooper people got happy because he did something. Um, are you, are you loving him there? Are you just okay with it? Is it no different than him being a Raider? What's your take on Cooper right now with the Cowboys, Adam? Slight improvement from where he was as a Raider. I mean, ultimately, like, they're very similar offenses and offensive production, but the Raiders are literally one of the worst teams if not the worst team in the nfl right now how many times are you gonna say that so yeah i mean it's how true. many times you gotta bring it's this up right? how many times I mean, on this podcast just, on a like weekly basis right. are we I gonna bring right. up the fact that the raiders are not a very good football team that's a really cute way of putting that they're not very good i'm just, just not very good anyway on to blake second question do you this is not fancy related um which we love but do you think ayahuasca DMT thing is legit? Of course it is. What do you mean is legit? I guess it's like, legit. Does it work, man? I mean, I mean yeah, I, I've I, never tried it. I don't think you have either. But of course, we both listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and other things like that. We've seen, we've done our research. I mean, from everything I've seen, it works to whatever effect you're looking for, right? I mean, I haven't seen a lot of people come back and say that ah, shit sucked. 
Um, have you? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could rant on it for a while, but I mean, it's not a matter of does dimethyltryptamine work. I mean, dimethyltryptamine is a chemical. They know it's a chemical. They know it exists in the pineal gland of your brain. It's going to take you to space. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about all what occurs, per se, from different people's perspectives being true. That all being stated, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I understand the question. <laughs> like, yeah, obviously, Listen, it's Matt, it's going to take you to another <laughs> planet when you take it, and that means it worked. Um, if there's something you know. wanted to get I out of it, I guess... Two- What's that? I said if there's some end result that you wanted, maybe I don't know. I mean, I've heard people say like they take it and then they didn't have fear of such and such no more. Or I mean, you know. this is true. Ayahuasca is actually used um, a lot with terminally ill people. Uh, they go through ayahuasca ceremonies, and a lot of them come out feeling more comfortable with the idea of death. I, I didn't mean that dark, Adam. I didn't well, mean, it's you true didn't have though. To go it, end um, of the world. I'm talking I, about just you know less on a lesser level, just people who fear certain things too, not death. But well, no, it, it's true. Not people that are I dying, mean, I'm saying. But there, there is literally a documentary that's on that exact subject with in regards to ayahuasca use. That all being said, I mean, I actually know two people who did ayahuasca, um, and their experience was very similar to a lot of other ones you hear. Um, Why don't we get I, you to do it, man? I don't. <clears throat> I, I don't know. We need you to do, do it. We document it. We put it out there. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's an idea. I don't know if I want to get that violently ill. Like, that's the, the, that sounds not fun. Living in that fucking house, you might as well be doing it anyway. Oh, yeah. Freaking gassing yes. you from the floor, AC blowing, humidifiers going. Don't a little ayahuasca, man. You're good. Listen, moving on. B. Joffrey asks this question. How do you stay motivated when your fantasy season has sucked ass? Nothing worse than an owner that ghosts mid-season. So how do you keep yourself from becoming that owner? I don't know. Playing enough leagues that you care about some and then just make that a reason to set all your lineups. Like Pretty that, much. I mean, that's that's basically what I do. I mean, there's obviously some leagues that I don't think I'm going to win. Like, I can already tell the team's not good enough and I probably can't make enough trades to, like, really get in a position to win the championship in those leagues. But... I have enough other leagues that I care about that it just has become rhythm to set all those lineups. So I just do it to fuck up people's days. I mean, you could do it on a spite, sure. Yeah, there's nothing like I, there's I don't nothing know, like I there's often nothing like don't that. even realize who my opponents are in leagues until like I, I go into that week and I go, oh snap, I'm playing Josh, for instance. That's what I'm like, saying. But I'm saying like I like to see that person has like a good record. And I know they're like fighting for a playoff spot. And I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna try to fucking make you miserable this week. That's all I'm gonna go for. And it works sometimes, you know, it kind of motivates you. Yeah, it's solid motivation. It's not bad. It's a good idea. Try it. It works. And he had another question. Um, I don't know why you'd want to do this, but how do I convince my league to bail on tight ends next year? Oh, um, I mean, I've played in one league for a long time that had wide receiver tight end flexes. Um, so maybe that's I, the move. Maybe that's the move, like ease them into I mean, it. That is that is the move, is to have wide receiver tight end flexes. I will say, like, I get it from the stance of there's really only, like, three tight ends in the NFL right now that feel reliable to any, like, week-to-week reliability. But I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of a cop-out. Like, it's still a pretty relevant position. There's still enough to go around, and... Honestly, I think that 
when there's less of a skill position that are really, you know, um, sought after, that it, it makes the position almost more interesting. Like, for instance, in, in the leagues that I do have, Kelsey, Ertz, or Kittle, like the, the three that I think are reliable, those teams feel like juggernauts because that position where everyone else is feeling like they have an unreliable player, I have a reliable player who can have big weeks. And then I can fill in the rest of my roster and make trades to improve those other positions. And I feel like I have that constant edge. It's almost like trying to win the flex in a way. Right. Like winning the tight end is also very similar, uh, especially if you have like Kittle where you were able to draft him later. Because um, typically I wasn't drafting tight ends early. Like where I own Ertz or where I own Kelsey, that's in Dynasty. But for redraft, owning a guy like Kittle, like that – that's huge. I mean, you have a huge advantage over the position versus everybody else who drafted tight end in that range. Now I feel you. I mean, I, I tend to go the other way by adding positions like that because I want to make it more difficult. But you know, I, oh I, god, I, that two tight end leagues, that beautiful. two tight end dynasty league is so gross. It's beautiful, man. It, it feels so gross right now. It's beautiful. But listen, this is what I say when it comes to stuff like this. Rather than trying to convince your league to go no tight end, you should just start a league with no tight end and yeah, have people join who are with it because I'm tired of convincing people to do shit, man. People just do what they want to do. So you create your shit and let people come to you or you, you know, seek them out and say, listen, no tight end league. We're doing it this way. And people will just join in and enjoy it. So fuck trying to convince people to do shit. Just do it yourself. Make it happen. It'll be cool. Um, and he's a good dude. So he'll be able to do it. Um, all right. That's it for the questions this week. Let's move over to Fowler. No foul. Fowler, no foul. Um, this Saturday, Adam, November 10th is a UFC event. So this Saturday, November 10th, Mike Perry will beat Cowboy Cerrone, foul or no foul? I'm going to say no foul. Um, I don't really like Mike Perry, <laughs> I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, you don't like the shtick? No, nah, I don't like the shtick. And I also, like, I've watched him fight, and I, I don't know. I personally just have never vibed with him per se um that being said i mean cerrone's a tough out that is becoming less difficult of an out over time um that being said i mean he's you know he's one of those guys that if he he actually put in the time and has had a good camp he's obviously letting his body heal a little bit more now than he was before we were fighting like seven times a year um i mean i think it gives him a chance I think Mike Perry probably wins the fight. Um, I don't know if I'm watching. I don't know. Are you? Are you watching? I'm going to watch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to watch, watch. Mike Perry? I'm going to watch. I always try to catch these things. I'm going to say foul, though, because I love Cowboy Cerrone, and I think he's going to win. My thing with Cowboy is if he can get past that like initial first round, he usually could do some damage. It's like it seems to be like whenever someone like rushes him straight out the gate and like overwhelms him, like for some reason that fucks with him, man. And... Hopefully Mike Perry doesn't do that. But Cowboy Cerrone's got a lot going on right now. He just had a kid. He also left the training camp that he's been at forever, where Mike Perry actually just joined recently. Yeah, so I heard that. Some, so there's some, yeah, so there's some like you know emotion there that maybe he doesn't have normally in other fights. So it'll be interesting to see uh, you know how it plays out. Mike Perry comes across sometimes like very clownish and stuff. Like you said, his little shtick, you know, he does everywhere. But you know, it's fun, whatever. But yeah, I hope Cowboy wins personally. Can we talk for a second about how the UFC is just becoming professional wrestling? 
Like, not even in a bad way, because it's kind of what I always wanted when I was a kid. Like, professional wrestling that's real, but <laughs> that's true. It, it is, man. It really, really is. And, like, some people do it well. Like, Ben Askren's stuff on social media has been awesome and entertaining. But then you get, like, the Colby Covingtons of the world that are just so cringy that I can't even watch an interview with them. So, I don't know. It, it It's weird what's happening to the sport. It's definitely... Um, it's definitely interesting how fighting becomes such a different thing than other sports. Like, I get it in some aspect because it's such a primal thing, but it's just so funny how it just morphs into this... Like, it has to either go one direction or the other, where it's like, it has to be very traditional and extremely respectful, or it's like the total opposite Americanized version of fighting, where it's just like, everybody's got to have this huge bravado and just talk trash and well it's because like entertainment becomes a part of everything man even if you think about even if you think about fantasy football right like when it first came out it was not entertaining at all it wasn't like the people talking about it and the people bringing you advice and stuff they weren't entertaining at all they were just boring ass stat people throwing numbers at you whatever and then entertainers got into fantasy football and started getting like radio gigs and doing stuff and getting attention for it. Now that people are like, oh, shit, we got to get, like, entertaining also while we give advice. And so things started to change. And that's the same thing with fighting, right? First UFC was just fighting. And then entertainers came into fighting and got attention just for being entertaining. And now the other fighters who are just fighters are like, oh, shit, we have to be entertaining. You know what I mean? So I think the cringeworthy stuff comes when people who aren't really entertaining try to act like they are. You know what I mean? So, um, And that happens in, like, all walks of life. Anything that people consume content of people are not really good at it and some of them are really great at it you know what i mean so i don't know i don't mind it you know if it gets more eyes on things and it gets guys paid you know it is what it is i know some of them are you know weak at it but (laughs) i don't mind it i guess it's not bad it's not a bad thing it is what it is adam it is what it is i mean look at entertainment got no i don't want to say it got him there never mind but uh i mean i don't know i mean I'm just saying the DC fight, man. It wasn't fun to watch. Why is that? Because it just ended too quick for me. It wasn't. I I don't like the fights, man. Where like even with Connor in his last fight with Khabib, I, I'm not a fighter. I'm not gonna pretend to give advice to it. But I just I feel like those guys, him and um, what's his name, Lewis, they both went in like so defensive, right? And it's like just attack. You know you're not gonna beat this dude at his game. Like it's just not gonna happen. So just attack straight out the gate rather than drag this shit out and lose anyway. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. No, I, just I think wish- it's an oversimplification. I think what's happening right now is we're really having it ingrained that wrestling is what matters. You have to have a wrestling base. Yeah. If you do not have a wrestling it's base, you have nothing. But that's what and I mean. In that but, way- but that's what I mean. If you don't have it, why fuck around? Why not just go in there and say, if I, if I let this guy get to wrestling, I'm going to lose regardless. So I might as well just get crazy. Maybe, but you you're going mean? to lose regardless. I think yeah. it's the part that needs to be focused on. <laughs> I mean, and in that way, like, a guy like Tyron Woodley, it's going to be really interesting because he's already, you know, have four title defenses and feels like he's getting no respect. And he's that perfect kind of hybrid where that dude is an amazing wrestler and he can keep the fight standing and he has one-punch knockout power. Like, that's everything that you want. Yep. And yet, nobody likes to do. Nobody wants to do it. You know, he uh, he he really is what I feel like the the sport's turning into. You know, 
player, you know, guys who can fight like him, who can fight like John Jones, where they can have amazing stand up, but they can also wrestle so well that they can keep the fight standing if they want to, or they can just completely out wrestle you. Like they're they're fascinating. Yeah. It's it's fun, man. There's some interesting fighters. I'm interested to see John Jones back, man. That's what I can't wait for. Um all right, number two, Le'Veon Bell will report to the Steelers next week. Foul or no foul? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm not even. That's not an option, foul, my no friend. Foul. I, I, I mean, at this point, like, I'm, I'm gonna say no foul, but only just because it's with my heart. Like, I, I want him to come back. I, I just, that's what I want. This guy's but emotionally I no, invested. I have no idea. I hope no he does. idea. I hope he does, man. He's out there tweeting upside down and stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, he's that's crazy. Freaking on an episode of Stranger. I never things. know you could do these things and people do them. I'm like, what? I've been, I would have been tweeting upside down this whole time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy stuff, man. But hopefully he comes back. I just want to see him come back, man. Fuck all that fantasy shit. I just want to see Le'Veon Bell play football again. Um, number three, newly signed Saints wide receiver Des Bryant will make a noteworthy impact in the second half of fantasy football this season. Foul or no foul? No foul. I, I I gotta say, I don't get what I'm seeing on Twitter right now. The hate? With, yeah, with people who are just like, oh, I don't even get why anyone would pick up Des Bryant. He's done. He's washed. Like, you pick up Des Bryant because he's a potential league winner, and if he is done and washed, all it took was a waiver wire pickup. Like, I don't, I don't get this mentality where people are so obsessed with being right about a player you know, not being able to succeed, that they won't even take a risk on a player whose upside is just astronomical. Like, think if Dez does hit and Michael Thomas gets injured. You have that insane target share switch from Michael Thomas over to Dez Bryant, and all of a sudden, he's a top five wide receiver. It's possible. Is it probable? No, definitely not. It would take an injury, and it would take him coming back and playing at a level that he played at before. All that being said, this is the best quarterback he's ever played with in the best offense he's ever been in with the best play caller he's ever played for. It's the best situation for him. So I think just from an upside standpoint, I don't understand why people aren't just doing anything they can right now to just acquire him. I mean, really, like, I'm looking to trade any ancillary pieces I have on my benches for him. I'm looking to pick him up. I I think I'd pick him up in the Scott Fishbowl for free. Like, I think that no one else bid on him in my league because I'm in first place and I have no bidding dollars left. I'm (laughs) double-checking right now, but I'm almost positive I picked him up, which is just wild to me that nobody else even cared to pick him up. Nobody else even thought that he was worth dropping a player for. It's wild. I just... I completely am flabbergasted at the lack of enthusiasm. And, yeah, that's the case. I picked him up for $0. I'm in first place in my Scott Fishbowl division, so that means literally no one else even bid on him. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Some things aren't meant to be understood, Adam. They're just not. You do, that's why you're in first place maybe, man. I just – it's shake my damn head. Like <laughs> it's just. I actually haven't made a move in – Scott Fishbowl since I picked up Phil, Phil, uh, Lindsay, which was like week one, <laughs> something oh, like wow. that, week two, whatever. I, I love playing the waiver wire in uh, in the Scott Fishbowl because I feel like everybody kind of goes hard at the beginning, but I don't know. As the season wears on, I feel like, you know, as people become 
you know, less likely to make the playoffs. They bid less. And if you're actually in the running, you, you, I mean, you can pick up some decent pieces. I mean, like I said, I was able to get Dez. Um, there was one other player that I picked up on waivers, and now I can't remember um, who it was offhand. But I also got him for a $0 bid, and it was, you know, just a piece that could do something. But at the end of the day, like, that sort of roster churning to me is what you have to look to do to be successful. My team's oh, so damn stacked. What do you want me to do, man? Yeah, no, I'm I mean, kidding. you know. <laughs> If you got nobody to drop just because you're that good, you know, you're just that good. I should have went, so, I I went after someone like Mullen or something. I should have did something, you know what I mean? Yeah, Mullen definitely went in my league. I, I didn't see uh, for, for what amount, but, yeah, uh, it definitely went for something because I had a zero bid. Should have went for somebody. I don't know, man. All right, and the last one I want, though, is you don't even know if you watch this, but Tyson Fury will beat Deontay Wilder on December 1st, foul or no foul. No foul. I'm te- I'm cheering for Tyson Fury. I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Um, yeah, I'm probably tuning in. I mean, I don't think I have anything else going on, so I'm going to try and tune in. What What's the day of it? December first. December first. Okay. I'm almost. You got time to make plans, man. You got time to get the the the, the schedule open. Yeah, I know. I don't think I have anything going on, but you know, once the holidays start up, it's almost impossible to have a weekend that you're free but yeah i mean if if i am if i'm able to watch it i'll definitely be watching it and honestly like i i would encourage anybody who's even like the slightest bit interested to watch it like it it for all intents and purposes it seems like it should be a phenomenal fight so yeah 100 it's an interesting one and and even if you're not going to watch it go listen to the joe rogan podcast with tyson fury that was a good one discussed like yeah, depression that, and how that you got was, out of it that was stuff. really awesome so definitely go check that out too, um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be an interesting fight. You know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see what happens. Guy that was a champ, lost it all, and the young up and comer. I don't know. It'll be fun to watch. I'm not even a crazy boxing fan, but I'm gonna watch that for sure. Um, but so you say so you think Fury will win? Yeah, I mean that's who I'm rooting for. I, not, I you think... don't believe in the one trick pony, as Wilder, I don't know. As Wilder calls him, as uh, Fury calls Wilder. <laughs> Says he's got nothing but a hard punch. We'll see, man. Sometimes that hard punch is all it takes. <laughs> yeah, damn right. I mean, what's interesting is, you know, Tyson Fury winning will probably be less exciting than if Dante Wilder wins because Dante Wilder would win by a knockout. Like, that's, that's my expectation. Like, Tyson Fury could knock him out, but more likely than not, he's going to, you know, get a technical TKO or he'll more likely just be able to outpoint him throughout the the entirety of the fight but i mean these are big boys like anybody can go down at any moment and that's what makes it exciting absolutely all right that's it for uh foul or no foul last thing we have to do adam is show and tell i don't know if you have anything i don't know if you have anything at all for those who don't know we just are this this is a part of the show where like if you were put yourself back as a kid man right show and tell is an exciting time my son loves it he has it at school all the time so we do it here on the show we share a thought a product uh tv show music anything adam's been sharing music for the last fucking three months so uh, if you have anything to share, this is our moment to do it. Adam, do you have anything to share today? Yeah, I do, actually, and it's not music, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I actually – I just started listening to it again or watching it. Um, it's listen. a podcast oh, okay, that's okay. not even really a podcast. Uh, it's the Kill Tony podcast, which is filmed at the uh, world-famous comedy store in, in California. 
And ultimately, what it is, for those who are completely unaware, is it is a live performance that's filmed each week in which it's basically like an open mic, um, but open mic stand-up comedians get to do one minute, and they're judged by Tony Hinchcliffe and two guest judges each week. And the premise of it seems really simplistic, but if you actually watch it, it just becomes so hilarious because 90% of the people who end up getting up to do a minute of stand-up are either awful or just so weird that these amazing interviews happen afterwards. Because what happens is the performer gets up and they do their minute of attempting to do stand-up comedy. And occasionally you get like, you know, legit up-and-coming stand-up comedians who do a great minute and then they get to have this interesting conversation about, you know, joke writing and, and being able to develop their comedy. And that's interesting from that perspective. But what makes it so entertaining is the chaos that ensues with bad comedy or just people who want to be on stage, which happens a lot at open mics. And I just, I was watching an episode the other day and I was laughing so hard out loud. And it's just so rare in, at least in my life, to catch something that just has me literally like belly laughing out loud. And it does it so often. You were real Uh, life LOLing. Yes, I guess <laughs> if that's the cringiest way you want to put uh, that. Sure. That was LOL, sure. LOL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made an audible noise. It happened. Who does such a thing? You're supposed to just like type that out. You're not supposed to actually do it. Just fucking with you, man. Just la, 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 la. Yeah, so it's good. And he was actually on Joe Rogan recently, too, talking about it, which sounds like it's blown up since he started that thing. Because when you first started, it was a little show, man. Now it's huge. So that's good. Yeah, he, he, what I like about Tony, like from a comedian standpoint or whatever, is that he's like uh, super quick, man. Like, oh, very. Fire, yeah. Fires back at people so quick with things. And I'm like, how in the world can someone be so quick with it, man? Oh, yeah. And, and that forum, too, like yeah. being critical of these comedians doing a minute. He's just so good at it. He's so witty at just, like, quick comebacks that just tear people apart. But in a way where it's just, like, it's not meant to be, like, hurtful. Yeah. Like, and and everybody kind of gets it. And for the vast majority of people, they're kind of in on it. That being said, occasionally you'll get people who really aren't. And then it gets, you know, this heated conflict and things can get really interesting that way. And that that's one of the things that's most interesting about it is it's filmed live. So, like, it has a little Jerry Springer-esque feel to it where it's like, shit can go down at any moment. Like, wild <laughs> stuff can happen. And uh, back in the day, I actually remember I watched a couple episodes that were just live streamed on YouTube when they were live streamed. And it was wild because really anything can happen at any moment. And sometimes some crazy stuff would go down. Um, But ultimately, it's just it's always really, really funny. And I I just think it's such a unique show that it just to me, it's just unlike anything else. And and I just highly recommend it. It's really entertaining. No, yeah, it is good stuff. And speaking of Jerry Springer, man, I I seen it on TV recently and I was looking at it. couldn't tell if it was new it looked new like it didn't look like old production but oh man i thought you were gonna say something different i thought you were gonna say 
I could have sworn I saw you because <laughs> I was actually on an episode of what? Jerry Springer in the audience what? asking a question. I was just – were you seriously? Yeah, 100%. Wow. Um, actually, even better than that, <laughs> even, even better than that, I, I – uh, I I was on the episode, but then I also fed a line to my friend. Uh, this is way back in in like my I think it was like my freshman year of college. I was like nineteen, uh, and I went with three friends, and one of my friends happens to be black, and I delivered a line to him because it sounded way better coming out of his mouth than mine. And I can't remember the exact line, wow. but I'm going to do my best to recreate it. How have we never talked about this? Oh, my God. Because I don't know. What we, I, it just what, never came up. What I was going to say was when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, where do they get these people in the fucking audience? I'm like, oh my God, who's really dude. watching this? I'm like, are they giving away free tickets to college kids? Like, who is signing up to go here? Because when I watched it, it on TV at this wild. age, I was like, what is going on, man? I cannot believe this is legitimate right now. Like, oh, my God. It was wild. So the episode that I ended up at was one of the episodes that was very common on Jerry Springer, which essentially was like, I'm cheating on you behind your back, and now I'm going to confront you with my new lover. So it was a lot of that shit. Right. And, and you were just uh, out there cheering, right? Jerry, Jerry. Oh, of course. Of course. They have a Jerry like light that tells you when to cheer Jerry. It's great. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's so, so ridiculous. And it's so surreal because you just you can't tell how much of it is like not scripted, but played up. And how much of it is just like, these are just legit crazy people. And you're just watching them for fun, I guess. Adam, but anywho. You know what episode you were on. And you need to tell us right fucking now. I don't. I need to, I you, wish, you have it dude, recorded. I Do not lie. Do not lie. I wish I did. No, and I don't have it recorded. So I like oh. the best I can do is recreate the situation and try and explain it. Be because it does, it does sit in my mind pretty solidly. Because it was... It was Pretty damn fun. <laughs> I am going to be on YouTube for hours searching for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Let's right? hear this Good question. Luck. Let's hear this question so I know what to look for. So, all right. It, it wasn't really a question. It was a comment. But anyway, <laughs> okay. I got to set it up. So there were, there were two different couples that are relevant to this. Uh, in one of the couples, it was like a weird, like, uh, husband, wife, and, like, other dude situation. And the only reason it was relevant is one of the guys got into a fight with the other guy. And he, in that fight, lost his tooth. And he brought his tooth to show Jerry. Wow. And he kept bringing up how this dude knocked my tooth out. (laughs) And he kept showing off the tooth. So he brought that up a lot. And then there was this other couple... That was another, you know, three-way situation where it was, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and lover. Third, and, yeah, and lover. <laughs> in this situation, it was in this situation it was a girl, and the girl who was part of the couple kept calling the other girl a damn two-dollar whore, <laughs> like she a damn two-dollar whore, all the time. All the time. So I fed this line to my friend, and he got up, and, and he. I can't, I can't remember the exact way that he put it. I wish that I could because it would have much better delivery. But he essentially uh, said to 
the dude who lost his tooth, that tonight he needs to go home, put that tooth under his pillow, so in the morning he can buy that $2 whore. Oh, wow. And it was hilarious, and everybody went crazy, and it was so much fun. So this was the, this was the line that you fed your friend? Yeah, this is the line that I fed But you him did ask a question, too. Partially, yeah. Partially because I said something else before that that wasn't nearly as good before that came to me. Um, and partially just because I knew he'd deliver it so well, and he did. It was so good. I wish I could find it. Uh, to be honest, I watched it once, like, when it first aired, because we knew when it was coming out, and I've never seen it again since. And it's sad, because, like, I, I'd love to find it, but I, I don't even know how to locate it. it. If anyone is listening and yes. has a way to find this <laughs> episode, please do. Make it happen. I need to find Did you say, my name is Adam from Chicago? I have no fucking idea. You said something. I, that, you said something it was 11 fuck. years ago. I, I really don't even know how they frame those I questions. I find this fucking episode. I'm oh, find you it. and me both. Please, oh. somebody out there, find it. Twitter. That, was, that right there was a share that we did not expect. And no, that man. That was a good share. I don't really know if it's I want to follow up that share. Being organic. Man, that might be the share. I might have to stop right there. I don't know if I can top that share. I don't know if I can top it. I did. I, I forgot. I did want to bring up the. Uh, well, I guess you know it happened like a week and a half ago. Remember, I talked about the old content stealing thing in fantasy football. Um, the little thing that popped up with Matthew Barry and ESPN and Michael yeah, Fabiano yeah, NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did want to speak on that, and I was gonna do it last week with you, and then we did, like I said we didn't get to do the episode. Um, I still feel like I want to talk about it though. So maybe okay. Let's let's just close out with this then. Um, with with that situation, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, it, the names don't even matter. It doesn't even fucking matter who, who it was. But there was a situation where one person felt like another person uh, took their idea or their, I don't know if you want to say it, copied them. I don't think stole is the right yeah, word. Yeah, he was accusing them of stealing their IP, yeah. their intellectual property, okay, which yeah. is, you know, it, it's an interesting conversation because of its parallels to comedy, in my opinion, because there is a lot of talk in the comedy community about joke stealing, and it was something that was completely okay a couple decades ago and then has gotten to the point now where joke stealers get called out like they they regularly get called out the problem is is jokes are direct intellectual property opinions on players who play a game that everyone can judge is not intellectual property like i don't I, I get the idea of trying to say that your formatting is intellectual property, but even that's a super huge reach. Like, I I don't know. To me, I, I don't really know how best to put this, but to me it really just feels like a sad old man attempting oh, to man. hold on to his grip of something that he believes defines him. That's what it comes across to as me. Without saying the exact players in the situation, this is the second time it's happened with this individual. And it, to me, just feels like an old man who feels like he created something and he doesn't want anyone taking that away from him. So he clings on to any idea he comes up with so hard because that's how he identifies himself. Right. And that's you know yeah i guess that, you know, that to me is where it's at right i guess i guess with content creation period right i mean with there being so many um platforms now right because once upon a time 
you couldn't just be a player in anything you wanted to. You couldn't just have an opinion in anything you wanted to because you couldn't share it with anybody except like your friends or your family or whatever. Now we live in a time where people literally create content 24-7, whether it's podcasts, whether it's um, articles, whether it's video in some plat- some way, YouTube or whatever you're doing, uh, whether, like you said, comedy, um, no matter what it is. And in fantasy football even, there's content being created 24-7, right? And I feel like in 2018, you're hard pressed to find an original idea or original opinion because of that 24-7 thing, right? Because while you're sleeping, someone else is up. And while you're up, someone else is sleeping. And everyone's constantly creating content. And so even if you're first in line sometimes, I feel like, with a thought, you're really not. Because for his, in history, it's been expressed somehow, some way, right? You're just kind of... Um, you know, I don't want to say I don't say you're morphing it, but like you're just kind of changing it, or you're coming at it from a different angle, or with a different name involved, or however you're doing it. You're just it's already been expressed at some point or another. You're not really creating something new, right? Like even you know if someone says you're stealing their rant or their show, like that's you're not the one who created a rant though. So like you're not the first person to do it. So that means clearly you were inspired by something, right, to make you do that in the first place. So it's like you know in this time I just feel like it's weird to make that complaint unless like you said it's something you made up like a joke which even comedians will tell you like they two guys had similar jokes and you're like well it's like the same joke but literally they didn't steal it from each other it's just they both had the same idea right so it's like um I guess I just want to say that rather than complain or get upset which I calling out stuff I'm fine with it I mean it's cool whatever it's entertaining but um for me I feel like people are always going to do similar content than you right and some people, like the people that we're talking about, have bigger platforms, have bigger voices. And so obviously for them, um, you know, they're kind of in that same space where I guess they both hear each other and see each other. Um, but there's people who are lower than them that probably steal their stuff or do similar stuff too. They're not being called out, of course, because you don't hear them like you hear like they hear each other. But I just feel like just be better. If you if you constantly improve your game and evolve your game and just try to be better than the next person, there's nothing to worry about, right? Like that's what it is in comedy. That's what it is in everything, right? Like the, ultimately, the industry will filter you out. Don't you agree? Yeah, to a point. I mean, I I think the parallels with comedy really really resonate because there's one big factor that I think is being left out in this, which is that none of the people who are being accused of stealing content have shown a pattern for stealing content. It's this one-time thing that now they're being called out on, which I guess the idea of calling them out is a preemptive strike against them ever doing it again. But, like, if you parallel that to comedy, when you've had comedians be called out, it took forever for guys like Carlos Mencia to lose their popularity or to you know, literally be recognized as this guy is not creating his own material. He's just taking it from other people and reperforming right, it. Right, but now not many people know who he is though. Yeah, exactly. Right? He, mean, got, now, he got now he out. platform. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and eventually, yeah, eventually he did kind of get found out. But if you I mean if you go on his websites, he's still he's still performing stand up comedian. Like still he still somewhere. is successful in some capacity. But ultimately my point is that it took him performing so much of other people's work before it actually became a public right. thing. So the idea that you know someone can have a linear thought on one segment of one TV show that they're doing on one subject is kind of ridiculous. Like, it'd be one thing if it was a constant thing where every time you're producing something, 
this other person is then reproducing right. that same idea. But when it happens once, like to not just think it's linear thought and to move on or to not just, you know, check a box in your mind, hey, maybe check out this person's content to see if they're doing this regularly and taking my ideas regularly. But instead, to burst out rage just to me comes from a place of insecurity. Yeah, I mean, especially which when you're I at think the, is the reality. Especially when you're at the but, top of the game. You know, I'm I'm just I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Right. I think that Matthew Barry is an insecure baby who's holding on to his platform of I'm the fantasy football guy when in reality the entire industry has passed him by. Like the problem with these large media figures in fantasy football is they're not evolving with all these other sites that are extremely analytical or very ingrained in film-based analysis and just do better work because they don't have all these obligations of the media of putting out content like an ESPN does. And they just, they've worked at refining their game and being better and essentially when you don't do that you have to have all these other gimmicks and when your gimmicks get copied then you get hurt because oh if somebody has the same gimmick as me they might get as much attention as me and no one can get the same attention as me because i came first and that's all this is it's just guys trying to hold on to what they were because they lack innovation so when they can't innovate and become better at their actual craft which their craft is presenting fantasy football knowledge that's what you've signed up for and if you're not going to evolve your craft all you're going to do is create little gimmicks to try and get attention so then when your gimmicks get copied you call out other people for having the same gimmick as you like it's ridiculous it's not even content it's not like they're copying your you know hard refined statistics or your way of processing you know an algorithm that spits out fantasy projections you're literally talking about a segment on a tv show like i don't even know why we care i really don't well i mean i would say that with his new show like he's trying to you know he's kind of gone the entertainment route pretty hard which is his thing too i think it's like his background as far as you know where he's come from he's you know written comedy and stuff like that for tv or whatever but it's like and and again i'm not i know you're going hard (laughs) on him for sure um i'm not necessarily going against him yeah i mean i just feel like when it comes to you know, this kind of stuff. I feel like, especially when you're at the topic, yes, right? When you st- when you do hear footsteps of others, right? And you know there's other talented people that do want your spot, you know, there's always going to be this target on your back and that shit could probably get stressful. So the thing is, with that title, with all the glory that people have at the, that are at the top, comes that, that target, right? Comes that heavy is the head that wears the crown, they say, right? So I just feel like, listen, creating original ideas is, of course, the best. Stealing from others is, of course, lame as fuck. But it's hard to really know if someone's stealing or if they're just doing the same thing you're doing because we can only have so many thoughts. But, you know, like I said, I feel like the ones who really steal, like you said, like it's their thing. Like those people, I feel like they get caught, they get phased out. People aren't really entertained by them. They go to, they st- people still go back to the real source of entertainment or the real source of knowledge. So, you know, again, people call each other out. To me, it's entertaining. It's just funny to me. But um, every day, like I said, just try to be the best person you could be, man. Keep, getting better at your craft, keep, you know, originating ideas. And that's what really will eat the heart out of these people, man, that, that are copying you, that there's just so many people riding the coattails of other people or riding the ideas of other people that it is annoying. That is annoying, that fact. But again, for me, it's not aimed at anybody. <laughs> Adam seems to be uh, aiming it directly at somebody. Seems directly at somebody. But again, it's just our opinion. It's just our opinion. Adam, we could be wrong too, man. 
Um, but again, salute to all the real content creators out there, no matter what space you create in. That shit is it's respectful, man. I respect it. And the people who are riding the coattails, y'all just get faded out anyway. Get faded out anyway. Adam, we've gone up and down with this thing, man. We've pissed people off. We've talked Jerry Springer. We've talked fantasy football. I'm going to go find those videos. I don't want to wait any longer because I don't want to forget. I'm going to, like, Google the shit you said, and I'm going to find it. I'm telling you. Um, man, I hope. I hope. I'm gonna I hope it. somebody finds it. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Clock Dodgers. I want to hear from you guys, so don't be shy. You can also find Adam on Twitter at the other FF guy. Be kind. Be great. Keep dodging. Keep dodging. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.